Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I, I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is gonna feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm -hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm -hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes... Mm -hmm. Oh, and The Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm-hmm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. 
RW Knutson crushes only 100% real ingredients so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and it's Monday. So I'm sure many of you already know what this episode is going to be. It is going to be an invaluable, mandatory, deep dive into some element of the game that's going to give you a greater understanding of what we are watching, what we are devoting our lives to at this point, and it's going to be available in full at patreon.com slash game of roses. Today, we are about to enter the regular season of Bachelorette Season 17, Katie Thurston. So what does that mean? Well, night one is a game unto itself. And then the very next week, we begin to watch the regular season, which leads us all the way to the playoffs, which will be hometowns as the first round of that. But in the regular season, you have one-on-one dates, you have house life that's living amongst the other players, the second audience inside whatever the mansion or the resort may be, and of course, you have group dates. You have seen the promos for the upcoming week. Katie Thurston's going to be going on some group dates, and we are going to devote this entire episode to breaking down what a group date is, the history of it, the importance of it, some strategies, what the modern group date has become, really, and everything, basically, that you need to know. The types of group dates, different plays that you can make on group dates, and pretty much almost 99.999% of players who are going through this game who make it through night one will have to go on a group date at some point. There have been a couple exceptions. There was <laughs> season eight, Travis Stork, a woman named Kristen Morse, had the first one-on-one date, and it was an execution. Kristen, unfortunately, made a series of errors during this one-on-one date to get this unlikely statistic where she read a poem and she put an orange rind over her teeth. Huge errors. She was sent packing, but other than that, these extreme circumstances pretty much every single player is going to have to go through this so if you're entering our game you're gonna want to subscribe to our patreon listen to this episode (laughs) because this is something you're gonna have to go through each season has an average of around 8.3 group dates and they can include anywhere from 12 to 18 players in the early round They're going to have a variety of physical, psychological, and emotional tests that are designed specifically to push people to their breaking point. You're going to sometimes see forced tots, like we're seeing on this uh, cowboy-themed group date with Katie Thurston, where they're all in hats and plaid and jeans. It's going to be a forced nudity. (laughs) Hats and plaid and jeans? Don't forget about season 25 where every player was forced to do a full body squirrel tot. Please don't forget that one. That was maybe my favorite I group date would. in the history of the game. 
<laughs> I fucking lost my shit. I, I was just like, they're making this show for me specifically now at this point. Yes, they are. <laughs> and they had but, to like grab nuts dressed as squirrels. And Victoria Larson was on that one. What a treat for clues. It was a treat indeed. But as insane as some of these circumstances may seem for the modern group day with full body tots, forced nudity, forced violence, it wasn't always that way. We're going to talk now a little bit about the history of the group date in our beloved game. Because in the beginning, shit was simpler. Shit was more fair. It was more elegant in some ways. I don't know. I, I love modern group dates. Don't get me wrong. more elegant. But, oh, God, those first few seasons. We're talking now about the classic era. This is seasons one through three. And the basic structure of the game was it was a truncated season. Like the first season, for example, had only six episodes. But you had 25 players coming in in each of these three seasons. And 10 were eliminated on night one, leaving you with a remainder of 15 players. And the next week after night one, what you saw was three group dates evenly split between five five and five players so each player got an equal amount of time there was no jockeying and there were no one-on-one dates in that first week of this classic era it was just these group dates and these group and there dates were no group date roses so they weren't competing for this thing and all of the first group dates were lavish extravagant fun they were considered these basically a prize you're going on this really fun amazing group date often they would travel to some exotic location versus what group dates have become today which is like which type of torture am i going to sign up for is it going to be forced violence is it going to be forced nudity am i going to have to perform some musical or stand-up performance none of that was here all the players got equal time and they were treated to like a vacation essentially even the presentation of the group date in these early seasons like now i mean dark lord harrison is gone but you it's foreboding somebody comes in with a date card and they drop it on the table and everybody's like oh shit whose name is on this thing but back in these early seasons a box was delivered it wasn't just a card in an envelope it was a big box All the players gathered around and they opened it and inside the box were all these little trinkets and things that kind of gave hints at where they were going to go. Like if it was Las Vegas, for example. And by the way, they would just go to Las Vegas for a day trip. Like that was a a group day back then. (laughs) It wasn't fucking dressed as a squirrel and dig around in the mud. There would be like poker chips and and little Las Vegas keychains and shit like that. And everybody would get excited and then they would read the names and be like, oh my God. But also the players, at least in two and seasons two and three, knew that if your name wasn't on that card, it's okay. It was going to be on one of the next two that was coming. So there wasn't this feeling of dread or anxiety with it. These early group dates were really like celebrations in the house because it was like, oh my God, that's so fun. And occasionally you'd get a player that's like, I don't want to go on the yacht. I would have rather gone to Vegas. But it's like, they're both pretty good, you know, or a spa or whatever. They were just like, they treated the players very well in these kind of ancestors of the modern group date. Yeah, DLH called them fantasy dates. I think you can't really call them fantasy dates at this point when it's stick in your hand in boxes of bugs trying to grab a ring (laughs) unless that is your fantasy no kink shaming here and the first group date 
in history, in season one, episode two, was a trip to Las Vegas. That's what we were just talking about. And on this trip, they ate at a nice restaurant. They all hung out. It was pretty cordial. There was a play for time on the very first group date. It was a blackjack uh, competition. All the different five players who were on that date, Christina Jenkins, Shannon Oliver, Angelique Madrid, Lanise Adams, and Katie, whose last name was lost to time, (laughs) they had to sit at a blackjack table. They were given an amount of chips, and whoever walked away with the most winnings, got an extra time with Alex Michelle. That winner was Lanise Adams. They took a gondola ride around the fake river in the Venetian Hotel and Casino, and Lanise Adams (laughs) secured the first kiss in history on that group date on that gondola ride. First three kisses. Uh, That was sort of helped out by... One of our first Jorge Moreno bystanders of the week, the gondola pilot, who let Michelle and Adams know that it was a tradition for the couples to kiss as they floated under these bridges that were crisscrossing the canal. And so they kissed under each of these bridges. The other group dates included a day trip to a spa where they had a mud bath and massages. None of these had forced violence, forced nudity, any form of humiliation, really. Although Alex Michelle did on the mud date throw mud at the women's breasts. <laughs> we are in the <laughs> dark seasons. <laughs> Trista Rain was a target yeah. of that mud throwing. But we didn't see group date roses on any of these first three seasons. The first time that we even saw an inkling of it was season four, Bachelor's Bob Guinea. And they tell him there's going to be a new thing. It's an experimental version of what we now have as the group date rose. It's kind of an inverse group date rose. The Dark Lord, who again by season four had become full sinister. He was wearing black on black suits, emerging from shadows. The players were starting to say when he shows up, that's going to be a bad thing. And on this first group date where they had these weird roses, there was a plate of four white roses. There were five players on the group date. If you got one of these white roses... You were safe, not that week, you were safe on the group date. It means you survived the group date. If you did not get one of these roses, you went home. So it was a negative reinforcement version of what we now have, the singular group date rose that means you're safe for the entire week. And then by season seven, we saw Bachelor Charlie O'Connell given essentially the, the power of the first true contemporary group date rose, which is going to be... One rose, except in season seven, it was two roses he got to give out on a single group date. And the first two players to ever receive group date roses were Kendall Martin and Anitra Mole, who impressed O'Connell with their pool playing skills in a New York City dive bar on that group date. That whole season, by the way, was shot in New York. Everything that happens in that season was, God damn it. Going back through this, I'm just like, I'm having nostalgia (laughs) for the hyper binge when we were watching this shit right now. I'm just like, oh God, I need to binge. I I need to hyper. For a second there, the producers loved this new version of the group date rose. It definitely like stoked the competitive fire between the contestants and they have been included in every season since season seven. And through the years, the group date has seen some other forms. In season five, that was Jesse Palmer, notably also the first season to produce a first impression rose. 
We saw in that season the first ever two-on-one, which is a more kind of condensed, super competitive version of a group date. That was between the season's notorious villain, Trish Snyder, and she also got the FIMP that season, the first FIMP. And she was against eventual top four finisher Mandy J. Jeffries, who was a pageant queen. And they faced off for Palmer's attention on a double-decker bus and later in a spa. But this first iteration of the two-on-one date didn't come with the threat of dismissal or the promise of a rose. It was merely just them versus each other, although both of them ended up getting roses at the rose ceremony later that night. And then it wasn't until season eight that the two-on-one date card itself actually contained the phrase that would be used in perpetuity on all two-on-one dates from that point forward. One rose, one goes. And Travis Stork gave the first two-on-one rose to Sarah Blondin on a camping date. She also was that season's Fimp Rose recipient. And then in the more recent seasons of Paradise Era, two-on-ones have been molded into this kind of like aggressively competitive grudge match usually between a villain and a rival, usually set up in some kind of hyper-hostile environment like the desert or (laughs) the swamps of Louisiana (laughs) with people doing voodoo in the background and shit. And it it has become known as a date that players really don't want to go on because one of you is going to go home. I have different opinions on this, and some statistics back it up as well. Indeed, famously. There have been ring winners that have won two-on-ones. There there have been people who have made it very far and come away with massive success on the internet after a two-on-one. Ashley Ayakinetti is one. She didn't survive her two-on-one, but she obviously is in the Million Club. It paid off for her. And for me, I think going on the two-on-one is like, it's a 50-50 chance at a rose. That's better odds than any other group date, really, except the three-on-one. It's better odds of a rose, but it's also much better odds of going home. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. send half your players home on a group date. High risk, high reward, baby. Okay. That's what You're I'm right. into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clues lives out loud, you know. That's right. I live on the edge where I got to be. But uh, there's also this other weird <laughs> group date type, the three on one. Now, this is extremely exotic. I know if you've just started watching The Bachelor or if you have just kind of a recent memory bias, you might think the three-on-one is in almost every season or has happened many, many times. There have been mm-hmm. three three-on-ones in history. That is it. On The Bachelor. On The Bachelor. Nine players have been forced into a three-on-one. The first one occurred in season 20 during the round of six, and Kayla Quinn, Becca Tilly, and Amanda Stanton were playing for a single rose, and Stanton pulled off that first three-on-one victory. But Quinn received a rose at the next rose ceremony, and Tilly was eliminated at it. And then the second three-on-one was in season 22. We've talked about this one many, 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 many times throughout the course of our (laughs) show because it contained Becca Martinez, Kendall Long, and Tia Booth And this is the one where uh, Tia Booth kind of threw Becca Martinez under the bus as they went into a pared-down two-on-one situation. And this date contained two roses to be given out. And the most recent three-on-one occurred in season 24. That's Peter Popeye Weber 
Round of Six, which forced Kelly Flanagan, Hannah Ansluss, and Victoria Fuller into a three-on-one to compete for Two Roses. After a brutal villain edit where they were Franken-biting the shit out of her dialogue, Flanagan was dismissed, leaving Sluice and Fuller with a straight run into the final three. Overall, the group date is unique among all dates because it forces a player to obviously play to the first audience. That's your lead, your bachelor. They're going to be there on the group date. You're competing with the second audience for that first audience play. And you're also playing with the second audience in some cases, especially if it's like a team group date where they will split the player pool into two separate teams. So you have to make allies among the second audience while at the same time you're playing against them to the first audience. Obviously, you're playing against the third audience who has manufactured the entire circumstance of the group date. So you have to kind of be game for whatever the producers are trying to get you to do. And obviously, you're always playing to the fourth audience. So the group date really is a piece of the game that puts on display all of a player's skills to every audience simultaneously. It's why it's among my favorite components of our beloved game, because you really get to see like, okay, how fucking good is this player? Will they melt under the pressure? Will they do something like Crystal Nielsen did on her bowling group date where her team oh wins God. and then Ari's like, but everybody's coming to the after party and she just fucking loses her mind and melts down. You have to have an amazing amount of resolve. You have to keep your shit together, but also like play a strategy during it. It's so much more difficult than the one-on-one date where you're basically just focusing on The Bachelor and maybe your fourth audience. And so we want to go through now kind of the, the different types and styles of group dates that exist, what their functionality is, and what some basic strategies might be for a player who would find themselves in one of these situations. Because again, if you go into our beloved game and you make it through night one, it's like 99.9% infinity likely that you're going to wind up doing one of these things and you have to be able to survive it and potentially even thrive, even get that group date rose. Over the past 19 years, there have been 157 group dates. They range through a wide variety of types. You've got your amusement park. You've got your adventure. You've got your animal husbandry. You've got your boats, your yachts. You've got your botanical gardens. But far and away, more than any of these types, there is one that is the most likely, the most commonly used type of group date by producers that gets players, I mean, extremely riled up, that puts them in a position where they are going to have to face each other in mortal combat. And that group date type is... If you want to hear about that most common group date type, if you want to hear about several other common group date types, group date elements like forced violence, forced nudity, if you want to hear about two-on-ones and statistically why they're actually in some ways better than receiving a Fimpros, if you want to hear about three-on-one dates, and if you want to hear about some of the history and some of the players who have done things like IFIs, redefine the game like Tierra Lacazi, you're not going to want to miss the rest of this episode and to hear it, 
you just go to patreon.com slash game of roses join us down in the bottom of the pit you get the rest of this episode you get the rest of i believe we've done 20 other episodes at this point on patreon that are all deep dives into stuff like this group dates rookie seasons of all stars like caitlin bristow other elements of the game in addition to that you get access to our live shows which are happening every Monday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we basically do a live show where you can ask us questions and we talk about what we think is going to happen in that night's upcoming game. And you get all of the past ones that we've done. So you can go back and look through those if you like. There's a bunch of songs in there. There's all kinds of weird stuff. Creature of the Weekend is something that we've started doing, which is pretty fun. So please... If you want to hear the rest of this episode and all of that other content, go to patreon.com slash Game of Roses. We hope to see you in the bottom of the pit. It's the pit, you can get it in. And dig around in all this content. It's the pit, come on, admit. You want to eat up all these tasty tidbits. It's the pit, there's room enough to fit. Everyone who wants to come in, it's the pit, you can get it in, and dig around in all this content, it's the pit, come on, admit, you wanna eat up all these tasty tidbits, it's the pit, there's room enough to fit, everyone who wants to come in, it's the pit. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... um body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare.